Hey Church, thanks for joining me for another message. We're so grateful that you've taken some time out of your weekend uh, to sit and, and to watch, maybe you're out for a walk, but to open God's Word with us. We're into week 12 of our series in James, which we've called A Blueprint for Living Faith. And as we've been working through the book, we've seen over and over and over again that it is a call to each of us to uh, have a living faith, a faith in action. Today we are uh, into the next part of James chapter 5. And last week we uh, started with uh, the first kind of handful of verses. It's almost like the last two weeks is a, is a two-parter. And so if you haven't seen last week, go back and look at it. I'm going to give you a, a really quick um, overview now. But let's get into the word. So James chapter 5, um, verses 7 to 9, which we looked at last week, says this. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. We saw last week that James is writing in light of what he spoke about at the start of chapter 5. And Pastor James spoke on that a few weeks ago, and I encourage you to go back and look at it. But the context really is this, that James is speaking to his brothers and sisters in Christ, challenging them about how they deal with suffering and with injustice. And we saw last week in these verses that I just read, that James um, presents a couple of ways that we tend to uh, respond when we're suffering, and particularly when that suffering is caused um, by injustice. And the first one he covered was that we tend to lose patience. He also spoke about the fact that we tend to lose courage, that we become fearful. And the other thing he said is that we tend to grumble about our brothers and sisters in Christ, grumble about those closest to us. But we saw in this that there's as hope because he doesn't just say, don't do these things. He says, here's how you can respond. And last week we spent some time drilling into uh, James's call for us to be people who respond to suffering and injustice by looking ahead, by looking forward to the second coming of Christ, to looking forward to that glorious day when he'll return. And, he, and he, we're challenged, aren't we, that that isn't the mindset that society carries. And we looked at that last week, and I encourage you to have a watch of that. But we saw last week, too, that he presents two ways, and we've seen one. And we're going to look at the second thing that James presents, the second response he calls us to when we're dealing with this suffering and when we're dealing with injustice. And that comes through this next part of the passage. So let's have a look at that now. James chapter 5 verses 10 and 11 say this, for examples of patience in suffering dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. So James's first challenge to us is to look ahead, look ahead to Christ's return. His second challenge to us is to look back. And he tells us what we should be looking back towards. He says, look back at these examples. 
These people who, in, who endured suffering, who endured struggle, who endured injustice and continued to serve God faithfully. And he gives us a specific example there. He tells us, look at Job. Now, most of us would know the story of Job. And if you don't, I'd encourage you to go and have a look at it. Because Job loses everything. He loses uh, his wealth. He loses his health. He loses his family. And, and he ends up having these people come around him. His friends come and say, this is a consequence of your sin. But Job knows that that isn't the case. His wife comes to him and says, um, Job, why do you continue uh, to maintain your integrity? Just curse God and die. But instead, Job endures with patience. He continues to seek God. And he says this, he says, The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we see that in that, that at the end, as, as James speaks to, that Job, because he patiently endures, he sees it all return to him uh, multiple times over. James goes on to give us uh, another example of who we can look back to. And he says, look at the prophets. Because they provide to us an example of those who endured suffering in the will of God. They stayed in the will of God. They continued to faithfully serve. And we can look at a number of um, these people from the Old Testament. People who uh, faithfully served and spoke on behalf of God. And I'll give you a couple of examples. And I encourage you, um, if these names are new to you, maybe you could have a look at some of them this week. But we could look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah, he, he speaks faithfully, he declares what God asks him to, and because the people are, uh, are so reluctant to accept it and to hear what God has to say to them, they throw Jeremiah in the dungeon, and he spends some time languishing there, but continues to faithfully serve God. We looked at Elijah a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? When we were looking at our lessons from lockdown. And Elijah, um, on behalf of God, declares that there's going to be a famine. He speaks to King Ahab and he declares that there'll be a famine in Israel. Um, but we often forget that he then has to endure that famine too. And he spends three years and God miraculously provides for him, but it wasn't easy. You might recall too then that he spends, there's this great showdown and um, he defeats the prophets of Baal and, and he's uh, living in, and doing what God wants him to do and very, very soon after he ends up in the wilderness, um, exhausted, distraught and despairing. And yet he continues to faithfully serve God. You look at Daniel. We know the story of Daniel in the lion's den. But Daniel in this position of authority and power um, has it taken away from him because he continues to seek God, because he continues to pray, and he's thrown into the lion's den. And God miraculously saves him. What about Paul? We could look at the New Testament. And we look at Paul who was beaten and who was imprisoned. Um, on a number of occasions because not of his faithlessness, but rather because of his faithfulness, that he endured that unjust suffering. And so how does this help us? How does it help us? Does it just make us feel better because we go, well, well, other people have suffered too? No, I'd say to you there's more to it than that. And I want to draw a couple of things out that uh, we, can, we need to remember. And so the first one is by looking back, by looking back at these examples um, of, of people in Scripture who endured suffering and endured trouble and endured trial and who um, dealt with injustice, we're reminded that suffering will happen, but there is a purpose in it. That suffering will happen, but there is a purpose in it. 
What is significant about the prophets? The significant thing is like Paul, they all suffer not because of their faithlessness, but because of their faithfulness. Because they did what God asked them to do. Does that sound unjust? It kind of does, doesn't it? Because I think there's been this um, sentiment that's crept into the Christian church, crept into Christian communities, which has led us to believe um, whether or not we would acknowledge it. I think often we view our circumstances through this lens that uh, once we accept Christ, once we start serving him, and particularly if we're serving him faithfully, that everything should be easy, that we should be prosperous in all that we do that our health should be protected, that we should become wealthy, that we should um, succeed in um, every kind of project and every um, thing we turn our hands to. But we can see that that's not really the reality, is it? We know that that doesn't happen. We know that there are still things that we um, struggle with, that there are still things that we um, are going to find difficult. And Paul knows this well. Because he writes in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. We can all get around that first part, can't we? I want to know resurrection power. How good does that sound? But Paul goes on to write this. He says, I want to suffer with him, with Christ, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I want to share in his suffering. It seems less exciting, doesn't it? But you see what Paul had found, Paul had found was that the uh, Christian life wasn't the absence of troubles, rather it was that the shaping of troubles. It was that troubles are not purposeless, but rather the suffering that we go through is, is strengthening us. And this is what James is talking about too. If we go right back to chapter one, he speaks to this as well. Hey, guess what? Brothers and sisters in Christ, James says, you can be joyful in your suffering because your suffering is, in, is building your faith. It is strengthening your faith. It is giving you the capacity to continue to be faithful and to press on. The second thing that we can draw out of this passage from James is that by looking back, we are called to have a 50-20 vision. It might sound strange to you. We know 20-20 vision, but we'll come to it in a minute and it'll make sense, I promise. I wonder if I had have said to you at the start of the message today, who from scripture can you think of that suffers under unjust circumstances? Maybe you would have gone to a New Testament um, figure like one of the disciples. Maybe you would have spoken of um, Stephen um, who, who suffered and, and was martyred uh, for following Christ. Maybe it would have been Paul. Maybe it would have been one of the Old Testament prophets like we've spoken about. But I wonder how many of you have, would have gone way back to Genesis chapter 37 and to the story of Joseph. You may know that story quite well. But Joseph was the youngest um, son of Jacob. And he was favoured by his father. He'd been born to his father in his father's old age. And so his father um, favoured him. And you see, Joseph had these dreams. And in those dreams, his older brothers were bowing down in honour to him. Uh, and he told this to his brothers. And this sent them into a rage. And they attacked Joseph. They uh, sell him into slavery. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, being sold into slavery by your own brothers, Joseph ends up uh, in the house of Potiphar. And Potiphar was a great um, leader, a man of significant influence. And Joseph serves him faithfully. But in Potiphar's house, his wife um, finds uh, Joseph quite attractive, the, the scripture tells us. Um, and she um, uh, 
uh, approaches Joseph, uh, seeking to begin an intimate relationship with him. And Joseph refuses, and it tells us that Joseph refuses because he does not want to sin against God. He knows uh, what he is called to do. He knows how to live faithfully. He wants to honor God. He wants to honor um, Potiphar. Um, and instead of that seemingly being rewarded, Joseph is uh, accused of attacking Potiphar's wife and he's thrown into prison. Now, that, if that wasn't enough to break you, it gets worse. Because some commentators reckon that Joseph probably spent about 12 years in prison. So 12 of his prime years of life, he spends languishing in prison. And partway through, towards uh, probably maybe 10 years in or so, uh, there's this incredible moment where Joseph is able to interpret uh, the dreams of, of a fellow prisoner. And the fellow prisoner says, Joseph, when I'm restored to my position of influence, I will remember you and I will speak on your behalf and I will have you freed. Well, guess what? The, the fellow prisoner is restored to his position of influence and he forgets about Joseph. And so Joseph spends another two years um, or so languishing in prison. Does that sound uh, unjust to you? Can you imagine that suffering? Sold into slavery, wrongfully accused because you make a stand for what is right, sent to prison and then not only are you in prison, you are then forgotten about. A promise to you is broken. Oh, it's hard for us to imagine how that would feel. I think that is such a, a, a unique set of circumstances and one that um, we're not going to have to live through. But it does highlight some things. And there are some things there, undoubtedly, that maybe you can empathize with. Because it reminds us and it challenges us, uh, have you ever been let down? Have you ever been wrongfully accused of something? Have you ever had to make a stand for what you know is right? And instead of being rewarded for it, you felt criticized and you felt hurt. Have you ever been passed over? Maybe uh, in your workplace, maybe in, your, in a relationship, maybe in family, whatever it is. Have you ever felt passed over and forgotten about? Like the opportunities have gone to someone else. Because undoubtedly, Joseph would have felt all of those things. But I'm challenged by Joseph, and I hope you are too, because despite, despite the setbacks, despite the horrific suffering, what did he do? He continued in every place he was. He continued in the midst of the suffering to faithfully serve God. Now, Joseph was human like you and I, and I don't for a second believe that there wasn't times where he cried out to God and said, God, why is this happening? God, I've been faithful and I've served you. Why is this happening? But you see, and I wonder if you've felt those same things. I wonder if there have been lonely nights where you too have cried out to God. But you see, Joseph developed a 50-20 vision. This phrase um, was termed by this great theologian, Chuck Swindle, and he speaks about Joseph's 50-20 vision. And I want to share that with you now, because if you look at Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, we see there, you see, we speak of 20-20 vision as being, being able to see clearly and with clarity. But I would say 50-20 vision, particularly in times of injustice and suffering, is actually uh, the right perspective when you're faithfully serving God. So let's look at that. What does he say? Joseph, having been elevated to a position of power and influence, he finally was freed from prison and he was finally um, placed um, 
in a position of influence. And there's this great famine comes on the land and his, his brothers come seeking food. Jo- Joseph in his wisdom and because of God's blessing and God's faithfulness to him um, uh, is able to provide uh, and able to put aside food to feed people through this great famine which he knew was coming. And in this family, his brothers come and his brothers are there seeking food and instantly they recognize Joseph. And they bow down before him just like in his dream from all those years before. And they are begging him for his forgiveness. And in Genesis 50, 20, he says this. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. Isn't that incredible? What an amazing perspective that is. You see, he had every right to be angry. He had every right to expect them to now be his servant. He had every right even to send them to prison or to their death. But instead, instead he doesn't do that. He doesn't get caught up in the bitterness. He doesn't get caught up in the anger. He's shaken off that hurt. And instead he has this incredible perspective, this 50-20 vision, if you will, um, that says what you intended to harm me. God intended for good. So that uh, the, all the injustice, all the suffering, God was um, developing me. God was using those horrible things. Not that God caused them to happen. Not that God um, made them occur in my life. But rather God can use those things. God was uh, working in the midst of those, those circumstances, in the midst of that injustice, in the midst of that suffering. God was using it to position me where I am now. And so I want to ask you today, do you have a 50-20 vision? Do you have a 50-20 vision? When you're dealing with suffering, particularly when it comes as a result of injustice, do you continue to serve faithfully, knowing that what someone might have intended to harm you, God can use for good? And who knows what the incredible impact of that might be? And so I want to ask you two questions as we wrap up today. The first one is, do I have the right view of suffering? Do I have the right view of suffering? You see, when we um, perceive that the Christian life should mean uh, easy sailing, that it should mean uh, we don't struggle, that it should mean everything we do um, prospers and that we're wealthy and that we're healthy and that life is easy. When that's our view of the Christian life, it leads us to having the wrong view of suffering. And I'd say to you today, when you are reminded that suffering isn't a result of God not loving you, it isn't a result of God forgetting you, um, it isn't a result of you just not having faith and having to try to have faith more, um, it isn't a result of those things, but when suffering, uh, you can be assured that you're in very good company. You can be assured that when you look at scripture that there are people who went through that journey of suffering. And so wherever you are today, let me remind you, whether that's a season you are in now, whether it's a season you're coming out of, or maybe it's something that, that is ahead, let me remind you that in the midst of those times, a right view of suffering says, God, this is hard. God, I need you to walk alongside me in this. But God, can you develop my faith? Can you strengthen me through this season? The second question I want to ask you is, do you let injustice stop you from serving God? As we saw in Joseph, God will will use us wherever we are. 
And sometimes it is in the most unlikely circumstances. Sometimes it's in those places where we are really struggling, where we're in suffering, where there's been uh, injustice. Sometimes it's at those places that God is, is getting us ready and equipping us to do incredible things. And so I'd encourage you today, let's have a 50-20 vision. Let's look at suffering through the right lens. Let's know that injustice doesn't have to defeat us. It doesn't have to make us bitter and angry and twisted. But rather that when we look ahead to Christ's return, we can have hope of what is to come. We can know that the, the uh, just and faithful and righteous God is going to make uh, things right. But we can also look back. We can look back at these examples of Scripture. We can look back at these, um, these figures in Scripture who faithfully served God in the midst of great injustice, in the midst of great suffering. They continued to be faithful. They continued to serve God and they continued to see God use them mightily. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that as we look back at examples from Scripture, Lord, as we look back at those who suffered um, because of uh, injustice, that they suffered even um, when they were serving you faithfully. Lord God, we thank you that we can take uh, encouragement from them, that we can know that in our own seasons of suffering and trial, Father, that we are in good company, and we can know that there can be a purpose in that time. Father, that you can use us wherever we are. Lord God, regardless of how we might feel passed over, we might feel uh, let down, we might feel um, persecuted and criticised and hurt. Lord God, that in the midst of those things, Father, that you can still use us. And Lord, that you are preparing us even now. And particularly those who are walking through that season, Lord, you are preparing them now to be used by you. Lord God, that you are preparing them to do incredible and mighty things, that they will have their own 50-20 moment where they can say what you intended for harm, God intended for good. And we thank you for that. We thank you that you are a good God, that you love us, that you journey with us. Father, that you lead us and you guide us and you comfort us. And we pray this in your name. Well, I'd encourage you to make sure you reach out. If this is the first message you've heard from Horizon Church, would you reach out and let us know you're listening? And if you're part of our community, part of our congregation, would you, uh, again, reach out and join us uh, for one of our Zoom groups. Join us uh, on Sunday morning, Sunday night, during the week for a prayer or a connect group. And uh, we would love to see you online during this season. God bless.